Hello, welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And I'm Chip Chantry. Hey, you got pretty good at it. You got through it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our guest today is a really funny comedian. Um, She has one of my top favorite Twitter accounts. I I actually, (laughs) I think about your jokes a good deal because they make me laugh. She is the host of the Shut Up Mommy's Talking podcast. Uh, Welcome to the show, Kyle Acasio. Thanks, guys. I'm so glad you like my tweets because it's like you and two other people. So thank you so much. <laughs> I, I haven't lo- picked up virally yet. <laughs> That's all right. You you make me. I you had one. You had some tweet where you had a like some dickhead called you out for because like you got the your your like you use the wrong your. Oh, yeah. <laughs> favorite yeah <laughs> and it's like oh can you be a little more original literally every comeback is it your grammar like okay fuck you like <laughs> yeah but <laughs> at the end of the at the end of you making fun of him for being such a dork you said i hope you get covid in your <laughs> asshole <laughs> <laughs> I'm not oh kidding. I lay awake at night thinking about that sometimes. Like, I hope you get COVID in your asshole. That is so funny to me. I think I was a little angry that day. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad my aggression makes you laugh, Ken. It makes me happy. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. Like any any bitterness or anger. It's just it's like fuel i'm your i'm your woman then this is all about i'm all bitter and anger (laughs) hey um before we introduce today's topic chip we just have to um we just have to uh follow up from the devo episode last week because literally hours after we finished recording there was like late breaking Devo news that uh, John. Hin- okay, wait, 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 and let's just let's just breathe that in for a moment. <laughs> twenty twenty one, almost twenty twenty two, and late we have breaking late breaking Devo, yeah, Devo news. Yeah, yeah, Devo. Literally hours after our podcast. Yes, about Devo. Yeah. So hours after we after we read. By the way, very uh, popular episode, Devo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, John Hinckley Jr. The, the gentleman who tried uh, shoot. Well, he didn't try. He shot Ronald Reagan. He, he tried killing him, but he, he just shot him. <laughs> um, he is attempting to sue Devo because he claims that they owe him royalties for a song that he co-wrote with them. Uh, Before he shot Reagan? It was, he, well. Whip it. Yeah. Whip it real good. Yeah, that's, he wrote that. Um no, he didn't write. What, but I, I forget what song it was. But apparently after they, you know, he he shot Reagan to impress Jodie Foster, which which, by the way, like that's a swing and a miss. Like there's yeah. not a dude on the planet that's impressing Jodie Foster. Nope. Um, <laughs> I mean, he went for it. Shoot, shoot for the stars. <laughs> Shoot, shoot for the stars. Even if you miss, you'll end up in a federal prison. Yeah. Um <laughs> But so they I guess they got hold they got a hold the media got a hold back in the 80s of all of these like obsessive poems that he wrote for Jodie Foster and Devo took a couple lines from one of those poems and used it in one of their songs. And now he's out of jail and he's by the way, he's attempting a music career. He's like Mm -hmm. he's like he's out of jail. He's out of jail. He's out. Wow. 
He yeah. didn't. He didn't you actually can't do anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think that he was one of the few. I could be totally wrong on this, but I think he actually was like not guilty by reason of insanity. I don't even know if he was ever in jail. I think he was in a psychiatric I hospital. So, yeah, I think I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was more that. You know, right. You know. Yeah. Well, they were probably like, really, for Jody Foster, he has to be out of his. All of this for Jody Foster, you have to be insane. Um, but yeah, so he's he's now claiming that he he co-wrote a song and he owes them. They owe him royalties. Oh, my God, that's insane. Maybe maybe <laughs> we can get him as a guest. <laughs> we can tell him that Jody Foster's our producer. <laughs> There's no way he's still. Although if he's got like, I wonder if, if he's, if like Jodie Foster's his type, like right. a young Jodie Foster, who would he be obsessed with today? Like Justin Bieber? I was literally just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> or just like a car mechanic, maybe. I, I mean, yeah. it's like, could he be a little more clueless? <laughs> I think I knew Jodie Foster was gay. Like when, remember that movie, um, like the little girl down the lane or, or something. It was like a thriller horror movie. She was maybe 14. I'm like, this chick is into chicks. Like you could tell then. So, yeah. you know, he should have been in jail for just his gaydar being so off. <laughs> like that, that's all they did was they just showed clips from freaky Friday and was like, your honor, <laughs> your honor, you know? And then, and then they're like, all right, he's crazy. You know what I respect about Jodie Foster, though, is that she's still like all team Mel Gibson. It was like they did that one dopey movie in, in the 90s, and she's just been sticking by him ever since. Yeah. OK. The Holocaust never happened. Like, what? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Mel, was it was it Mel or his father that was like super anti-Semitic? Is the, it him, the, too? I think. The, both. The, yeah. Well, the dad okay. was like a pretty notorious. Got to keep the bond. Yeah. yeah. Keep the bond. It, well, it's nice to see uh, parents, st- you know, spend. <laughs> Sick by. Yeah. Even with all that Holocaust denying, he still had time to. Well, I'm glad they're still in cahoots because maybe one of them will read my uh, new screenplay, The The Passion of the Faust. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very specific thing that needs to be picked up that, you know, not not just anybody can do. Um, We're off to a we're off to, you know, I'm Jewish, but. I'm like I watch Mel Gibson and I'm okay, like, okay, I, I gotta go. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, something just came up. I watch Lethal Weapon. I'm like, I can't stay mad at him. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like he he and those voicemails. The do you remember like whatever oh, summer wow, that was? Yeah. The summer of the voicemails. Oh yeah. my god, those were the greatest. Oh, when he was yelling at his girlfriend, yes. his baby mama. Yeah. 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 He said in one of the voicemails, he said, I'm coming to burn your house down, but first you'll blow me. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of romantic, you know, I like it. He's a director at heart, you know. (laughs) I used to do a joke about it, like, but he definitely got the order right. Like, you can't burn a lady's house down and then have her blow you. That's just, yeah, she's... All right. On that note, <laughs> on that note, let's uh, let's introduce today's topic. 
I'm really excited about this topic. I actually researched uh, this topic a lot. Like I went down a rabbit hole. Um, the uh, our, our, our topic this, this week is uh, he was an Argentine professional soccer player, uh, widely regarded as one of the greatest players in the history of the sport. He passed away last year. Uh, this week we're talking about uh, none other than Diego Maradona. Maradona. I remember him. Yes. You were so, <laughs> that's, so. That's what you texted me, right, Ken? You said we're, we're, uh, we're recovering Maradona. You week, right? know damn well, Chip, we're talking about Madonna. We're covering Madonna. The early years. You, you guys People can't could see. see me voguing right now. Oh, we're right. not. No, this is early years. This is before voguing. Yeah, this is way before voguing. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this, this, this is like yeah. Madonna. This rise is rubber to power. bracelet era. OG Madonna. Yes. This is Kyle in sixth grade stealing from Spencer's to get all those rubber bracelets. <laughs> I was like a straight up thief for a year. I took bows. I took anything I could. And because everything was small, my mom had no idea that I was like the psychotic kleptomaniac only because I wanted to look like Madonna. Oh I didn't, God. I didn't get enough allowance to go buy that. And by the way, those rubber bracelets, like how, amazing that these companies probably made so much money from just trash rubber that they turned it's, into these colorful bracelets that every girl was wearing how much the did 80s. they cost like how how much were they that you were that you were stealing them I don't, I don't i don't remember i didn't have a big allowance so it could like it couldn't have been i'm sure they weren't you know that much but uh, I could only afford like maybe one a week and I would just be like, no, but she wears a lot of them. So my friends and I would go to Spencer's and we had a code. We'd say, oh, do you like that a lot? I like that a lot. And then it got to I liked it a lot. Meaning like our pockets are fuller and fuller. It was just, it was horrible. Like my karma should be so bad. Like now I feel I accidentally walked out of CVS with um, an extra roll of paper towels. And I went back and was like, I forgot to pay for this. And even the cashier looked at me like, OK, like, <laughs> but I have so much guilt from like all the stealing I did in sixth grade from all the jelly bracelets. Yes. <laughs> I, I one time accidentally stole something that I didn't. This is so weird. I didn't even remember picking it up. I can't imagine why I picked it up. But I guess it was I was like in a CVS or something it was like a douche or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stole chip. <laughs> no, I, I walked out of a CVS and got into my car and I guess I'd been, you know, like the budget DVDs. I guess mm -hmm. I had just been this was, you know, 20 years ago when people still watch DVDs. And I'm in my car and all of a sudden I look down and I have um like a Roy Rogers DVD, like the singing cowboy dude. And I had like a, like a, like a compilation. It was like three Roy Rogers movies on one DVD. <laughs> and I don't even, I don't even remember picking. I can't even imagine what would have possessed me to pick it up, but I didn't know what to do with it. And I drove home. I gave it to my stepfather. I was like, Hey, I remember you saying that you liked Roy Rogers once. And I thought of you and I got this. And he was like, he, he definitely never told me he liked Roy Rogers and he like, he, you know, that thing like where you got to be gracious that you got a gift, but you have no idea why the fuck somebody got right. you that. He listens to this. I don't know if he remembers, but uh, if you ever watched I was it, say you could you could re-gift it to Chip for yeah. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> 
That Roy Rogers DVD was hot. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, you know, it's crazy. It's like Madonna would put those bracelets on. They probably cost, you know, like nothing when she put them on. But then she put them on and then the, the rubber, the jelly bracelet prices probably went through the roof. <laughs> oh, totally. Because everybody dressed like her. Everyone. She was amazing. Okay. And, and now here's the thing too. I, I don't have kids. I'm not in the zeitgeist of, I mean, look how, look how cool I dress. <laughs> it, I mean, I remember being a kid in the eighties where like accessories were everything. Like even guys wore those bracelets or and wore, you know, there were swatch watches and there were the friendship braces. There were the, is there that amount of, uh, plastic jewelry or just jewelry or accessories that kids wear today does that has that always happened like i checked out probably after like 1987 so i I wasn't really watching after that but is was that just a time was did madonna really bring that uh to the forefront or 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 do kids still do that today i think yeah i think kids always do that like there's always like something my kids are, they're all teenagers now, but when they were like, I remember when my son was like nine or 10, like there was some, you know, like a, one of those like fuck cancer bracelets, like mm-hmm. those rubber ones, yeah. like something with a sporty cause, like the kids were wearing that. So I do think every generation, like, especially for tweens, like young kids, they like that silly stuff and then they yep. get older and they're too cool. But I think what's really unique about like when we were kids was that it was so prevalent. Like everybody wanted to dress like Madonna, like every teenage girl. So you had like kids, like when she first came out, I think I was in fourth grade. So it was like as young as like nine, 10 were, you know, dressing like prostitutes. And then also like (laughs) the 16 year olds and, you know, the ones that were old enough to like go to concerts and stuff. So everybody was, Mm -hmm. whereas now I feel like you hit a certain cutoff. Like when you turn like 14, I think most people are, most kids are like, Oh, that's not cool. I'm not going to wear it. But when she was around, everybody was. Yeah. That's gotta be, it's gotta be weird. Like, it's one thing, I think, like to put on a concert and you look out and you see everybody singing your song, like mouthing the words along with you. But when you look out, the entire like arena like is dressed 30, like 000, you. You know, single white females just staring right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be weird. There's there's um there's this girl on Dancing with the Stars. My my daughter's five and she loves this girl, Jojo Siwa. And oh, I know who she is. Yeah. She's, she was like, she's like a YouTuber or something. Yeah, she's a YouTuber. Yeah. She was on that show Dance Moms, and now she's on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, God. And my <laughs> daughter loves her. She loves her music. But this chick totally dresses like Madonna did in the 80s. And my daughter thinks that, like, oh, like this is this girl invented this. And <laughs> she went she went for her as Halloween. And and I was even thinking, because I knew that we were doing this episode. I was even thinking, like, oh man, if this was this was 35 years ago, you could just be like, oh, that's Madonna. And and, yeah. and everybody would have she was um with this. She looks like I'm just looking her up now, like who this person is, Jojo yeah, Siwa. Jojo Siwa. She's dre- like in every picture, she's dressed like she was in like she was in an elementary classroom when it blew up. Like <laughs> and like she just walks out, you know, like with a rubble. Yes. That's 
But she yeah. the giant bows and the denim jackets and the glitter. I mean, she looks a little ridiculous. Let's let's be. I mean, I I get your daughter's five, but when your daughter realizes yes. that, yeah, you know, I can't Joe wait. Joe. I, I can't wait. Well, it's funny because uh, so she's in her costume. But she was being such a pain in the ass, like all Halloween day. So every time she left the room, I'd be like, oh, there goes Jojo Seaward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so um, I here, here's a uh, so. I found in doing the research. So one thing that we watched was a documentary on Hulu, like a sort of documentary. I don't know what it was. It was, it was weird. It was weird. Yeah. There was, was reenactments. It was bugging me out a little bit. It, yeah. It was a lot of reenactments, but it's called um, Madonna and the Breakfast Club and it's on Hulu. And what I didn't know, like you knew that she was banging around New York in the early 80s. But I didn't know that she was in actual bands like punk bands and rock bands and trying yeah. to make, trying to make it as a rock star. So they they got a hold of um, some of her old band members and who and, needed money, and they're like, "Let's put this documentary together." We yeah. once knew someone famous. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're all just like in different parts of a warehouse, like being yeah. interviewed. <laughs> Yeah, you got the feeling that it was like in between shifts at the warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> They're like at Applebee's like, hang on, I'm doing a project. I'll be right back. But, yeah. but but also the girl that plays Madonna in this documentary. Freaky how much she looks like her. She looks exactly like Madonna. It, it's it was it almost takes away from the documentary because you're because you're trying to process how that's not Madonna it's, from the it, it, it almost took it me out wild. of it. It, yeah. it almost took me out of it because it was like at first I was like, wait, is this actual footage? And I was like, no, it's too it's too like high, you know, like high def to be footage. But like it was just so it was this this woman looks exactly like Madonna. and maybe like maybe she doesn't like I don't know what the wonders of makeup can do. But I mean, she was dead ringer. But totally. It, I thought it was old footage, too. And then I started thinking, like, no, that's not possible, like for it to be that clear. And yeah, it was wild. But it even felt like she gave out the same type of energy where it was like you couldn't take your eyes off her. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was weird. But, but then everyone else that they got was just like some dorks. The, and it was just terrible yeah. reenactments. Yeah. <laughs> but Did, oh, the one thing that really freaked me out, the and then they kept coming back to it. They started with it and kept coming back to it. Was I'm assuming actual audio of Madonna and Dan Gilroy, her boyfriend at the yeah, time, just like right. talking nonsense bullshit to each other. It was the weirdest. Did he like he was like the Linda Trip? Like, did he just like, <laughs> yeah. tape yes. all this yeah. shit? Yeah. Like back then, like what a weirdo to tape your friend or girlfriend. Like it's just, and especially in the eighties when it, you know it's not like you had a phone right there. Like you had to put the work into it and get you know a right. tape recorder. It's it's weird. Yeah, and it was yeah, like that, they were having two separate conversations. Yeah. Like she was talking about like dissecting rats, and then <laughs> yeah, that he was be talking about breakfast. And it was just like the I, I had no idea what was going like. It was just like they were on mushrooms and just like, OK, let's record ourselves talk. But it's like pillow talk and cute. Apparently it did. Well, he he hung. I mean, I guess 
he didn't have to wait long for her to like hit it big. Um, right. But he hung on to a lot of shit. Like they, they showed a lot of photos of um, like a bus trip that they took. Like I heard they went somewhere in New York and I'm like, this has got to be the last time Madonna was on a bus or that wasn't like a tour bus anyway. Like yeah. She was just on a public bus with like little kids posing with pictures with her. Huh, That'd be great so to just get a doc, like a photo album or like, like a coffee table book of just Madonna doing regular shit. Like up <laughs> here, here's Madonna in line at the Dwayne Reed being looking angry. Yeah. No, just, yeah. Yeah. This guy, this Dan Gilroy's got them all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Madonna moves to uh she moves to New York city in 78 to, she doesn't even know that she wants to be a musician. She hooks up with this guy, Dan Gilroy. And uh, he teaches her to play guitar. She thought that she wanted to be a dancer. And then um, I guess she got hit with the music bug. She moved from Michigan. I read something really funny. So I went looking through Rolling Stone's archives. And I and you put Madonna into Rolling Stone and like 2,000 hits come up. You know, there's just literally thousands of articles on her. But I was looking for when she first started breaking like i was i would wanted to see how far back i can go and i found one that was like right it was it must have been from uh it was it was right before like a virgin came out so it had to have been like 84 mm-hmm. and it was talking about how fame was starting to bubble up you know like she can still walk down the street without being recognized but they felt like those days were were numbered um, one thing I read that I thought was funny. Well, the first part's not funny, but the second part is. So her, her mom uh, dies of cancer when she's sick. Hilarious. You know, that's, that's. <laughs> what do you mean? That's the funniest part of the story. That's not dude. the funny. Hey, look who's here. Kahuna walked in. <laughs> hey, Kahuna. What's going on, man? Kahuna. I say, walked in the best part of the story. Say yeah. Hi, say hi to Kyle. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? Hi. <laughs> oh, man. Um. So yeah. So her mom dies when she's six. This is the part that's fucked up. Are you so- can't retell a joke, Ken. Once when, you said it, it's when, done. It's not funny the second time around. We we already got we already got it. When she's eight, her dad marries the cleaning lady. Oh, I didn't I didn't know I know so much about my dad. Yeah. I did not know that. I never okay. knew that. And I'm thinking like that is a weird shift in power, right? Like <laughs> that is that's a major upgrade for the cleaning lady. But mm-hmm. also it's like, how is your stepmom the lady that you used to boss around? You know, like like she, <laughs> like your stepmom's gonna be like, Hey, clean your room and you're gonna be like, Why like you, No bitch, yeah, that's yeah. your job. How did you go to work? <laughs> Pick up these plastic bracelets. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's like when the like when the comedy club bartender becomes the booker like a month later. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He's like 25 and and books open micers and then like pros have to beg him for a spot. (laughs) Um, So I I thought that was having a cleaning lady mom is that it's a big upgrade for the for the mom. Um, But so she so her and Dan Gilroy and uh, Dan's brother, Ed. Uh, they start a band that uh, with aspirations of being like the police or the pretenders, 
they they want to be a rock band. Um, and they would give Madonna this. I think this tells you how far back it goes. It's like nobody even recognized that she was the star yet. Mm-hmm. So they would give. Wow, Ma- yeah. They, yeah, they would it's give. Kinda, Ma- it's kind of like this podcast, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> they would give Madonna two songs to sing each night, and then like uh, like Dan Gilroy would would sing the others. And, um, but she is secretly getting bored with rock music while simultaneously trying to get better as a rock band. So she's holding these rehearsals and they're practicing and they're getting tight. But, um, after they would stop rehearsing her and the drummer, this guy, Steve Bray, who was her boyfriend back in Michigan, and he followed her to New York when she told him she was pursuing music. He was a drummer. So he joins the band as their drummer. And so while they're practicing to be a rock band after everyone else would leave, her and Steve would start rehearsing dance music. She was getting excited by the music that she heard coming out of boom boxes on the streets and uh, in the clubs. So it it was like she was using this band to kind of uh, get her chops up, but she already wasn't that interested in. Right. In- I think it was a mean like she she's always been very ahead of like trends and ahead of things. I think that she um, I I think that she always saw opportunities and she was such a great dancer like such an amazing dancer that I can't imagine her staying in a rock band either like she was just you know her ability to perform and entertain people I mean you were we were talking about the like right before something came out like a virgin that tour to to my understanding is was the fastest selling tour of anything so it was like 1984 1985 she sold out Radio City in 30 minutes and this is before the internet. This is when people had to like wait in line like and camp, camp out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Back when it was actually so. badass to do so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'm sure she had the foresight to to kind of look ahead and be like, you know, let me just make the best of this and get what I can out of it because I'm ready to go to Danceteria, meet some cute gay guys and get famous as fuck. Well, that's... Uh- by the way, that that's uh, the exact T-shirt that uh, Ken uh, usually wears on this podcast. Is yeah. that, that thing. <laughs> um, I have to tell my cat to shut. Harry, shut the fuck up. Sorry, my cat. Yeah, but that, that was the thing about Madonna too that that struck me too. It wasn't like oh, she was raised as a singer, and you know she came. I mean, I it, I, I don't know how much she she sang growing up or anything like that but it but like she was an entertainer she she was a dancer she was a model she was she got into this i mean she just kind of threw everything against the wall and it all kind of congealed and came together for her you know she used yeah. all of those strengths yeah she and she's not i think i don't think there's anybody out there that thinks that she's this great singer like she she had went so far and like you think about like we know people like that like she wasn't not for she was an amazing dancer obviously and and um but singing she wasn't super talented but she outworked everybody yeah and she was i mean 
I think she was good enough. I think that like there's certain people that you hear and you're like, like, how did they get a record deal or whatever? But um, I think she sounded better than me or better than the average person. You know, she was definitely not like, you know, Aretha Franklin or like a Christina Aguilera type incredible gifted voice. But um, I agree. I think it was like everything. It was the whole package. It was she was so confident, like just so so confident and such a phenomenal entertainer. I know people always ask, like, I think m- millennials have Beyonce and the generation before us had like share, you know, and I, and I still say, I think Madonna is, you know, there's no question. She's just the best, just the best completely. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and she took, and she knew how to make a limited voice work for her. She knew how to use it. Yes. She knew how yeah. to use it. Uh, for for the songs that that and by the way she wrote a lot of those songs you know a, a lot of pop stars don't write their own songs and she mm-hmm. she was writing them yeah and yeah. she didn't make any apologies for for using people to to get where she wanted <laughs> um it uh. I, I, so it's funny that you were saying like, you know, she, she's not this powerhouse singer. I told you I was digging through the archives to see, to see what I could find when she first started. And I found Rolling Stone's original review of her self-titled album, the first album, Madonna. Yeah. And um, the reviewer in it writes something like, something to the words of like, she's no Tina Marie, but I'm curious to hear what she comes up with next. She's not snorting coke with Rick James. But, <laughs> but you like remember Tina Marie like it for a moment was was pretty huge. And and she uh-huh. did have she did have this great voice. But yeah, uh, the the snorting coke with Rick James may have <laughs> hindered some some of those abilities. Yeah, it may have accelerated. Uh, Give it to me, baby. <laughs> As she's snorting off the back of a dirty toilet seat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I found this. So uh, I'm, I'm, I read this interview with her from like 1984 and, and they bring up like, what do you say to the people that say you exploited them? And she says exploited. People say that, but that's resentment of someone who's got the drive. It seems Mm. like it seems like you're leaving people behind or you're stepping on them. And the fact is that you're moving and they're not. Wow. Which is like, you know, and she's probably 23, 24 when she gives that interview to have that kind of um, self-awareness and and ambition and and absolutely not be apologetic for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very eloquent way of saying haters gonna hate. Yeah. You know? Um, so, uh, so she's banging around in this rock band, the breakfast club and they're having like power struggles, which is weird because it's like, it's her boyfriend that she's having the power struggle with. And yeah. and she gets one of the other guys in the band. I don't remember his name, but one of the other guys in the band is like completely in love with her and uh, tells her so. And, and she like, she doesn't even know what to do with it, but she, I think she uses it to her advantage, you know, cause then she sits, she sits everybody in the band that wasn't the brothers down and says, look, I think I should be the front. I think I should be the front person. Mm-hmm. I think this dude should be singing two songs and I should be doing all the others. So she sat them down 
to like for a band meeting. She's they, they sat the brothers down and everyone's like, we think we think you need to flip roles. And the brothers were like, yeah, that doesn't work for us. By the way, that feels like a pretty giant mistake on their part. <laughs> yeah. So she she goes, all right, well, fuck it. I'm taking I'm taking your band then. And she takes everybody and leaves the brothers to to form their own band. They can stay the breakfast club and then they go and, and try and, uh, and and then Madonna takes the other band. They form a band called Emmy and the Emmys. Which, yeah, that's complicated, (laughs) (laughs) which isn't uh, not the best band name. No, no, no. But she is she's there was Madonna and the sky before that. Like that one was a little like fun and a little, uh, you know, at least a little imaginative. Right. Well, the other band members, two of the other members suggest like we should just call the band Madonna. Like that's the most yeah. perfect name, which seems super obvious now, I guess, with hindsight. Yeah. But the drummer, Steve Bray, I don't know if it was ego or whatever, but he was like, nah, we, we shouldn't be called. Like, you know, that and he we, said it might be like people think it's sacrilegious or whatever. Yeah. 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 Well, because, yeah, I remember when I told my mom that I wanted to be Madonna for Halloween. She was like, why would you want to dress as the Virgin Mary? I don't understand that. (laughs) And it was like, oh, I I didn't even realize that that's what her name meant. I just saw the album in my brother's room. Like, oh, my God, she's pretty. She looks cool. And then I put the album on and I was like dancing all over the place. And that was it. But yeah, I mean, when she first came out, I think people thought that she made up the name. Oh, I, I yeah, no. I always did. I always assumed it was a stage name. It was only the mole that was made up. Yeah. Everything else was real. <laughs> <laughs> well, back then. <laughs> right <laughs> now oh god her face what the fuck oh madonna <laughs> why you were perfect just um, get old these bitches need to just get old you just can't, get old you can't, it looks better you can't get old as a lady pop star have we gotten to the dick tracy area yet no we're we're this this is the early years early yeah, early we're, we're, years we're, oh, yeah man. we're just just tonight this is just you know, billy just joel do up okay okay <laughs> 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 oh man um but s- now she's she's doing the same thing that she did with the breakfast club where she's kind of getting this band up the snuff enough to get her an audition and and yeah. they even tell her they're like hey we feel like you're just using us and then you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna leave as soon as you get offer an offer and she was like no i would never do that in her defense, they should have known when she suggested the name Madonna and the Rungs. <laughs> Madonna and the Hasbins. Didn't that give them yeah. a clue? Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, she's 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 going to clubs and she's given um she's given her demo tapes to DJs and just standing there and waiting for them to to play it and like she makes a. She makes she's absolutely no shame that she wants to become famous. Um, At one point, they say she considers moving back to Detroit because it's not happening fast enough. And she was like 22. Yeah. 
She was like 22. And it's like, you've been in New York for two minutes. Like, just oh, God. Give it- um, imagine her doing comedy back then. Like, oh, oh God, <laughs> you know, you know, 15 years before someone even looks at. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Could you did you ever see Madonna do comedy? Did you ever see her do stand up on the Tonight yeah, Show? I wish I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it was something, you know, I what still it- love her, though. You know what? Uh, you know what it reminded me of. It's funny that you that you said that. Like, oh, you you should try and do comedy. Like, I it reminded me of um, Kyle and I had a good friend in common. Chip, did you know Angela Lozada? I didn't know him personally. Yeah, yeah, we um, loved him. Yes. one of my favorite people, favorite comedians. Yes, yeah, every everybody loved him. Um, he was uh, he was a he was a New York City like uh, Latino comedy legend. And but I remember um, doing a show one night that Jim Gaffigan dropped in on and Gaffigan absolutely just tore the place up. And it was it was it was so good that it was almost like disheartening, you know, where you're like, (laughs) oh, God, but I we're not even in the same. This is dumb. Like, what am I trying to do? And I text Angelo that night and I was like. Yo, Gaffigan just dropped in and was so fucking funny that it made me want to quit. And then Angelo texts back something like, Jim Gaffigan is a master of his craft and he's been at it for 30 years. And then I and then I like I felt better. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, that's right. You kind of forget that part. And like he let me feel good for a minute. And then the next text came with a list of comics who have been doing it five years and under who have already made it. (laughs) He was like, yo, these are the dudes that should make you want to (laughs) quit. That is so classic, Angelo, and also hilarious. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating in a field. I mean, because I look at Madonna and I think, gosh, I wonder if like, you know, really hardworking musicians back then were um frustrated that she hit so quickly, but I think it's, um, I guess every industry has that. It's like, gosh, there's always going to be people that, you know, I don't know, slept with the right person or, or were climbers and fake and, you know, that's always going to happen. But, um, she just ended up making it work for herself and being such a great performer. It never came off inauthentic or undeserved, I think. Right. Like some of the, the, you know, the names that he sent you were, we could probably talk later, Ken. Like, yeah, don't they suck? <laughs> don't you hate them? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, she, I, she always put up, like, I don't think there was ever a time that, that I can remember, at least through the 80s, into the 90s or whatever, that she was ever like, boy, this is really subpar. She doesn't deserve it. Like, maybe she pushed herself into opportunities that she, quote unquote, wasn't ready for yet. But then she proved herself every time. Yeah. Well, just look at the uh, look at the first MTV video awards. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. When she dressed up in the in the wedding gown and did like a virgin. Yeah, that was amazing. I I remember like I was old and I was eight. I think I was eight or nine. I remember watching that on TV and not being able to take my eyes off her. And then it was like it was kind of an iconic moment where she she's on this like 17 foot cake and she's coming out in this wedding dress and her shoe falls off and you can you can see it on YouTube her her shoe falls off and she doesn't know what to do so she kind of just dives onto the floor 
to cover the fact that she's putting her shoe back on oh, with, and that was with an this big dress performance. And she's rolling around the floor trying to get her shoe on. And everybody thought that it was intentional. Nobody knew that she lost her shoe. She completely improvised it in the moment. And it ends up being um, one of the most iconic uh, moments in MTV history. I think it actually made MTV. And then there was all the controversy because as she's rolling around to try and get her shoe, she flashed the camera. You know, it's it's like now (laughs) you can. And it wasn't it wasn't even like she was wearing a thong or anything like she's wearing like regular sized 80s panties. And um, it created such a stir. And then everybody was clutching their pearls. And, you know, what have we become? And which is so now I can I can tell this story, Uh, Kyle. One time, Ken and I were working. We're doing a weekend at the stress factory and he was in the middle of his set and his shoe fell off. Same. He did the same exact thing. Yeah. Just I'm sure it was stage. very sexy. Yeah, he did. He did not stop his. He was in the middle of a bit. He kept going on the bit and just kept rolling around on the stage, very yeah. sexually. And not, he got the shoe back on. Yes, I don't think mo- most people were none the wiser. Not not iconic though. It was it wasn't considered iconic. In fact, they just told me I couldn't drink anymore the rest of the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, that's what like you know she's such a great performer. I mean, that's what you do in those moments. I'm sure. You guys have probably been on stage where for me many times uh, the mic has gone out or something and I'm like, well, okay, I guess we're doing a one woman show and I'm going to scream now. It's like you just have to keep uh, keep going with it. And there she was on this huge stage in front of millions of people watching all over. And Mm -hmm. yeah. She is the shit. Yeah, I'm I'm still mad about this. I I hope it exists somewhere. But my uh, long story, long story long, my my when I was in 1989, when we were kids, my brother won the Nickelodeon's Kids Choice Awards sweepstakes. Get out of here. Yeah, totally happened. My brother and I were on the 1989 Nickelodeon's Kids Choice Awards. We we did a segment on that. And uh, but Corey Feldman was in the height of his Michael Jackson phase at the time. And he was also doing probably so- doing coke off the back of a toilet seat Absolutely. back then. Absolutely. <laughs> and he came to do a song and he's performing. Now my dad was there and they were my parents were in the back of the audience and my dad brought his like huge camcorder in like the size of a suitcase you know the, the mm-hmm. 80s ones and he recorded the whole show the taping they let him do that because they didn't think back then it was no big deal and Corey feldman was like doing his song and he ran down the steps into the audience to like get a big reaction and then he turned around and he ran back up the steps just face planted harder than <laughs> i've ever seen anybody else face plant <laughs> they cut it out of the performance but my dad has it on video and i think he got rid of the uh the tape. Oh my gosh, you could be a millionaire right now. I know. Find I know. that tape. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> Trace um, back every garage sale, every, yeah, everything, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would, uh, oh, you know, he doesn't do Coke anymore, though. Yeah, he's well, like, good uh, for him. He can't afford it. <laughs> 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 I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we kid. I'm a, I'm a Feldman fan. I, I, lo- I love him. <laughs> um, 
So, by the way, she ends up doing exactly what the band feared that she would. So, she finally manages, like, there, there's a dude in her building whose sister is a manager or talent agent, and she's bugging the shit out of him. And he finally convinces his sister to come check them out. So, she sets up a date at Max's Kansas City, which was this iconic rock club uh, in New York. And they even say to her, they're like, hey, you're not going to like get a deal and then ditch us tomorrow, are you? And she was like, what? No, I would never. And then <laughs> and then, you know, shockingly, the manager sees her and is like, hey, I really like you, but I don't I don't care. <laughs> I don't care much for these dorks. It's just business. Yeah. And she and literally it's like just like like literally the next day. She doesn't even tell them like they show up to rehearse somewhere and there's a dude that's like, oh, yeah, you're not you're not a band anymore. <laughs> Madonna signed with this lady. It's like it's like Gladys Knight just ghosting the pips. You know, yeah. Just... yeah it's like the news looking around an empty studio like Huey, 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 where'd you go? Um, he went back in time. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she gets so she gets um, off the strength. So she she starts pushing that song. Everybody that that uh, went, it goes to like number three on the dance charts mm -hmm. and she and it starts crossing over a tiny bit into pop. And then she gets um, they get her a deal with like Sire Records, like a singles deal, like a three single deal. And then. The singles did well enough that they gave her one album, which in hindsight, they probably are like, fuck, we maybe should have. Yeah, we maybe should have gone <laughs> for more than one album. But um, uh, she releases her self-titled album. That's the one with like Borderline and Lucky Star. Lucky and Star. Up. And, and Holiday. Yes. Yeah. And, bur and Burning Up, by the way, Burning Up was always my favorite Madonna. So Madonna for me was like a guilty pleasure when I was a kid. Because even when I was a kid, I was kind of snobby about my music and I didn't care for like, <laughs> you know, it was say, also like yeah. I think we were at the age two where it's like boys can't like. Yes. Music. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like Michael Jackson. I didn't like any of the pop stuff. You know, I was like I was just a rock kid and I like. You were into the sex pistols right out of the womb. Very <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. And um but Madonna, like anytime her videos would come on, I'd have to like look around, make sure like my brother wasn't watching me watch them. But I was like, these are but Burning Up was always my favorite. It's still my favorite song of hers. And um, then I was reading in that article that it was written as a rock song, that it was like one of the songs that ah. she worked out with Emmy and the Emmys or whatever. And then when you listen to it, you're like, oh, I can actually hear that being a rock song. And then. Yeah. Um, when she was inducted in 2008 into the Hall of Fame, uh, fellow Detroiters, Iggy and the Stooges did like she didn't play. So they played two of her songs and Iggy and the Stooges. You can watch it on YouTube. It is um, if not my favorite cover of all time, it's right up there. But Iggy and the Stooges completely turn it into like a fucking batshit rock song. Wow. Uh, like with guitar and sax and it's it's fucking amazing and it's one of the few times where um 
Madonna just looks totally thrilled to be somewhere. Like she's watching them perform this song and she's just laughing and smiling. And it's like, you're not used to seeing that out of her. Yeah. No, that's it. That's, I can see that song being played as a rock song, just like the words mm-hmm. and the way she sounded on the album, yep. but nothing beats. I mean, I think everybody was, if you listen to it now, it's such a great dance club thing. Like you can still, you know, it's very dated in terms of being eighties. It definitely mm-hmm. sounds very eighties, but you know, sometimes I'll listen to it like what, as I'm getting ready to go out or something. And it's just, it puts you in a good mood. It makes you want to dance. It's like, you know, just has that like dance club vibe that after hours club vibe with all the cool people and all the cool gay guys. And like that, that's just what it feels like. Yeah. And I think that was her essence back then so it worked out that the breakfast club didn't work out for her because she really shined like her own personality and her own style came through so clearly well it's it's funny because the breakfast club carries on without her because now there's a little bit because now people are going so crazy over madonna that they're now looking for any association with her so now they're so now people are like oh there's this band that she used to ban so they carried on without her and they got enough attention that um, they had a couple minor hits. They had one song go into the top 10. They were nominated for a Best New Artist Grammy. Yeah. And they were on MTV. They were guest VJs. And I bet you like somewhere in the back of their minds, they were like, see, we didn't need her. You know, like <laughs> this is never going to end. <laughs> We're just as good. We got a best new art. We got a Grammy nomination and they, they put out one album and then um, like by the time they cut the second album, everybody, people had lost interest to the point that they're like, they, we don't give a shit. It, we they are looking for a shoe and yeah. getting flashed. We yes. need you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they didn't even release that. They cut a second album and the record company was like, yeah, we don't think anybody cares. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but she was still like, I was reading this article, like she's using dudes to help her make the album. So like, she's telling, she's telling one, it was like some guy like, Oh, I'll let you produce the album. If you help me, like, I need, I need me, I need a musician. I, I need for, for the demo. So like, help me make this demo. And if I get the deal, you'll produce it. And she told that to a few different guys. And then of course it was like, no, you're not producing the album. You know, like the record company gave her a producer. You know, they'd already they already greenlit somebody. And then to her credit, which I think is ballsy, especially like when you talk about being so self-aware and knowing yourself so much, when she heard the finished mix of the album, she was like, this is no good. This isn't what I want it to sound like. It's not my sound. And then she finds that guy, Jelly Bean. uh, Benitez. Benitez. Yeah. He changed her life. Right. She changed that, you know, mutual. (laughs) So she she brought she brought the album to him and was like, I'm not happy with it. And and we need to uh, we need to remix it. And and then he he comes in and produces a bunch of tracks. And then that those are the songs that became the classics. And then um, she does like a virgin. Now, the first album takes off so much. I'm watching I'm watching this old clip of her on MTV where where she just sort of pops into the studio on Mark Goodman for (laughs) for an for an impromptu interview. And he's asking her 
when's the follow-up? I hear you're working on a follow-up album. She's like, oh, it's finished. And she's talking about like a virgin. He says, when's it coming out? And she rolls her eyes. Like, imagine having this problem. She she rolls her eyes and she's like, I have to wait for the first album to fizzle out. But they're they're not they're not going to put out, you know, because they don't want her competing with herself. Right. So like she had this album finished and she's dying for people to hear these new songs, you know, especially like a virgin. Like it's it's the most iconic album. Uh, it's one well, of the most and iconic. That's also what she did during the MTV uh, video awards is they thought she was going to do like lucky star or holiday or something like that, th that everybody knows. But I right. think, I think that was the debut of yes. like a virgin. The album, was yes. That, that, that performance album hadn't even been released yet, but she, she rolls her, like she's annoyed that her first album is still selling. <laughs> um, so they had to they had to delay the release of Like a Virgin and then Like a Virgin comes out and it absolutely uh, kills. It yeah, kills. it was it, so great. It sold something like two million copies in the first 14 weeks. And then they said at one point um, at one point it was selling 75,000 copies a day for like Jeez. months. And then, wow. like, ultimately, now it stands that it's sold over 21 million copies worldwide. Now, all that's amazing. All that four is of like us, all time, all four yeah. of us have put out albums, yes. Kahuna included. <laughs> I'm willing to bet all four of us combined don't have 21 million sales. Uh, she, let me let me check my. Don't Spotify. you know uh, Three's comedy was the. <laughs> Number two album of 2018. Let me call my uncle real quick. I'll go find Only out. Only because we had to beg our record company to promote us. I was number I was number one on the iTunes charts for yeah, I didn't 14 even get, minutes. I, I didn't once. get number one. I didn't even. We got number two. And that's because we literally were screaming at rooftop comedy. You know, Ken was at number one when his album came out. Number 101. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> oh, I love the you, ghost of Angelo is, is haunting you right now. <laughs> no, actually, mine hit. I I self released mine. If you could believe that, nobody wanted it. But um, uh, I, I wanted it. I came out the same day that they re released some old Woody Allen stand up records. What? And yeah, and I was right above. I don't remember what number it was, but I was right above Woody Allen. And I was like, people that don't care about sexual assault. Bands, yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously. Yeah. Well, I, I was able to beat out a 60 year old, like, like That's a record that, that Woody Allen cut at the bottom line in 1959 reissued <laughs> in 2016. I was like, oh, good. I'm on a list with Woody Allen. That's fantastic. <laughs> 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 but you, you know what else I didn't know um, after uh, until I researched it today after reading that one article in Rolling Stone, um, Niles Rogers produced Like a Virgin, which I yes. never knew the the dude from Chic, and um, he had just come off. So Like a Virgin's eighty four. And he had just come off producing David Bowie's Let's Dance. And it was because of his work on Let's Dance that she wanted Niles Rogers. 
That makes sense. Yeah. And then, but you also think about like that dude produced back to back two of like, you could argue top five most iconic albums of the eighties. Yeah. And he did them like, what was like, you like you'd throw thriller in there. Like what maybe born in the USA, purple rain, USA. Yeah. Purple rain. Joshua tree. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he was he's incredibly talented and an incredibly nice fellow, by the way. My he actually managed my my uncle on my mom's side. Yeah. Really? Yeah, my my uncle played guitar on the on Run DMC's record that also had Walk This Way. Yeah. And he worked with Niall mm-hmm. all the time. And from what I've heard, Niall is like one of the nicest people. Uh, you think you can help me, Ken, and ship out with our album? <laughs> <laughs> Let freak, says she. Okay. <laughs> Can can you talk to your uncle? We'd like to we'd like to get Niles. We'd like to interview him. You think you can get him for us? Sure. Let me uh, let me get a Ouija board and I'll go ask him. <laughs> oh, is he uh, dead? Uh, oh shit! Damn it! God. Any of your relatives alive? Uh, I gotta go down. Oh, actually, list. I spoke to his mom today, so I I called <laughs> I called Kahuna on the way into the studio today, and he picks up the phone, and before I, he could say anything, I'm like, "What's up, motherfucker?" <laughs> And he was like, uh, nothing, you're on speaker. I'm in the car with my mom. <laughs> I was like, oh, hi, Mrs. Kahuna. And then she goes, what? What up, motherfucker? <laughs> my mom don't give a shit. She thought it was funny. Oh, man. But I had no idea that even Niles Rogers produced that song, let alone that record. Yeah, he produced the he he back to back. Let's dance and uh, did he work with her again throughout her career, or was it just that time? I don't know. This we I only I stopped reading after a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped reading after like a virgin. Although well, I guess really. Um, oh, sorry, Ken. I was just going to say what's interesting is uh, I know that Jelly Bean Benitez had. I think continued working with her for a long time and the album erotica, um, the song erotica, Mm -hmm. you guys know, um, was it a big hit? And then years later, like, let's see, erotica was the early Mm nineties. And then in the 2000, the, when she did a tour, one of my friends who's like probably the biggest Madonna fan on the planet, he knows every detail about her. He said, oh, my God, have you, did you hear this song? It, it's it's only been released now. It was Madonna. It was actually Madonna's first choice um, instead of erotica. But Jelly Bean wanted said, no, we have to do erotica. And that song was You Thrill Me. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's got like that same beat that erotica has. Mm-hmm. But it's I love it. It's such a be- I mean, to me, it's like such a beautiful song. I mean, it's like a it's like a dance thing, but like the words are amazing. It's like this. It's such a great, great song. And it didn't get re-released in in um, like in the two that in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So it was just an interesting thing. Like that was the one time like she probably wanted something and accepted someone overriding her because I don't get the feeling that like early in her career, like it was always what she wanted. And um, she actually took, you know, whatever his advice and said, okay, we'll go with erotica, even though this is the song that I like better. And then she liked it so much. She started performing it again and it got like a, a little bit of a fan base. And so people love it. I'll so there's a little trivia. Out. No, little check it out. I actually, yeah, I had cool. a, I had a girlfriend that turned me on to the erotica album when it came out. I love that album. Yeah, was that was like that was when I was old enough to be like, I, you can judge me. I'm I like Madonna. I don't <laughs> fucking care. 
<laughs> I think I was yeah. in college when, when that came out. Yeah, but then the cool thing when that starts to happen is then you realize, oh, shit, my friends also like Madonna and all these other artists. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. you further bond with your homies. Well, you know what? It was... um. It was interesting reading that she like wanted to uh, that she that she wanted to kind of get that let's dance sound, because like when you think of this, like how Bowie's career went, it's very similar to Madonna. Like she just kept reinventing herself. And I think that's why, like I was reading something about how like there was a point in time in 83, 84 where Cindy Lauper was just as big. As Madonna. Oh, Madonna like steamrolled right over her. Right. Mm -hmm. But then they were talking about how Cindy Lauper never changed and Madonna changed from album to album. And they were like, that's that's why Cindy Lauper, you know, is wrestling now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and doing and doing like diabetes commercials. Doesn't she do something like some it's, weird there's something that she's or dry eyes like acne or, or something? Like yeah. yeah, and it's like of like yeah, you don't get acne. You're sixty seven. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Why gosh. are you doing Accutane you, commercials? You guys, I adore this. I want to keep talking about this. I have to run to a show, but no, I just want to tell you, I love this topic. I talk about Madonna at any phase. Early, yeah. my favorite. Well, so also, and I'm just, so just, glad uh, you're covering this. Just as a reminder, we we were focusing this week on the the early years of Madonna. So, yeah. uh, Kyle, we'll have to have you back sometime to do yes. part ladder, do yes. uh, ladder episode yeah. of Madonna's career. <laughs> Kyle, just real quick, I would love to. Real quick, tell yeah. people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me. I'm at Ocasio Kyle on all social media. Last name first, O-C-A-S-I-O-K-Y-L-E. Uh, I have a podcast called Shut Up, Mommy's Talking, which, Ken, I really need you to be on. So we'll talk I about that later. I would love to, yeah. Um, Happy to. We do, uh, we do Dad of the Month. So it's basically uh, myself and Karen Bergreen, and we talk to moms in the entertainment business. Um, we've reached out to Madonna. Have you yet? To, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but we talk mostly to, to comics. Um, we've had a couple like visual artists on like people that are that are creative and working and trying to raise a family and mm -hmm. every now and then we'll let the dads talk you know so um, <laughs> i'd love to do it <laughs> but yes you guys thanks so much for having yeah, me thank on you. keep talking about the queen keep talking <laughs> keep going <laughs> all right talk to I'll you i'll see soon. you guys all right, later. thanks Kyle. Right, thanks okay bye ken we did it yeah, uh I, I, that was uh that was I'm, a lot of fun yeah i know you got to get going too yeah all right. Well, that uh, but, uh, was that was Madonna rise to power. Yeah, uh, the the earlier. So yeah, we'll definitely have to do a a, a latter one. Yeah, it, that's I mean, the nice up. thing about somebody's career like that. Like we we can cover her in in eras. We, I think yeah. we can do several. Consider this part one of, of yeah. our Madonna series. As long as next time when we when we uh, start part two. We could talk about like a surgeon. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Hot, hot hit. Love that one. All right, Chip. Well, you got anything okay, so, coming up? Anything you want uh, people to know? Yeah, just just follow me at Chip Chantry uh, on social medias. And uh, yeah, I got some shows coming up, but just uh, you, you'll, you'll be able to find them there. How about you, Kenneth? Uh, Ken Krantz, comic, social media. Follow the podcast, Rock and Roll Pod. And um, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Yep.